Welcome to My Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast that focuses on highlighting educational tools that can help teachers transform learning in or out of their classrooms. I interview industry experts to discuss the details of their products in order to help you make an informed decision on whether or not this product is right for you. As an educator with over a decade of experience both in and out of the classroom, I know that time and money are both precious. So I hope my conversations will help you in your creative journey through education. My name is Brian Willette and welcome to My Creative Classroom. Welcome back to My Creative Classroom for another amazing episode about transforming education. Before we get started, to all our listeners, we are now on YouTube. If you feel like watching while listening, head over to My Creative Classroom on YouTube and subscribe. And I am absolutely ecstatic about today's episode because my guest is someone who I have followed throughout my educational career. He's a best-selling author, STEM educator, and business leader branded by Time Magazine as one of their most influential people of the year because of his passion to inspire the next generation of scientists and engineers. With more than 1,500 television appearances and multiple Emmy Awards to his credit, he is a regular uh, guest on the Ellen DeGeneres show where she dubbed him America's science teacher. I am so excited to welcome Steve Spangler to my creative classroom. Steve, thank you for joining me. Aren't you glad, are you serious, aren't you glad that there are people that watch this every once in a while? Because they look and they go, gosh, the guy looks like he's on fire. And then you realize the house that we're in is probably not mine and you would be absolutely correct, right? And the third thing is the fire alarm probably doesn't work that well in this house, but there's so many things to talk about, Brian. Thanks for having me on and, and thanks for everybody who's spending a couple minutes with us. Absolutely. And for those of you who are listening to us, listening to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple podcast, Steve may do some crazy things. We don't know what's about to happen. So head over to that YouTube channel if you want to see what goes on, if you hear some oohs and ahs. So Steve, before we dive in, let's tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about who you are and what your background is. Um, you know what, my, my job is to find the most creative ways to get kids excited about science. And uh, nowadays we say STEM, but the, you know, the joke is I used to teach STEM when we called it science. And, and you know what, before we even get started, if you don't mind, I love coffee more than life itself. And it doesn't matter what time of the day, you gotta have a little bit of coffee. So the coffee goes into the cup, but then I create I, 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 my own problem. And that is, then you reach in the refrigerator and you go get the milk and you put the, and then you got to stir the whole thing and guess what you do? Dirty a spoon. And, and who wants to dirty a spoon? So as a STEM teacher, I just figured this out. Watch, it's so much more effective. You just get a board, okay? So here's this board about, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, one foot square, something like that. Go ahead, you do the conversions, I'm an American. All right, so look at this. There's, there's cords coming out like this, bingo. And then it's like a tray. And so instead of dirtying a spoon, what you do is you just put the, uh, the cup of coffee right here in the middle of the tray, suspended by the four cords, and now you do what you should do, and that is spin this around your kitchen, all right? We always tell people, don't ever try this at home. You look right in the camera, you go, don't try this at home. Try it at a friend's home because it's better there, all right? Use their silverware. I mean, their, their, their cups. And, all right, here we go. Centripetal force. Isaac Newton might be proud or just completely flabbergasted that somebody messes around this much. To, look at this. Why well, just spin, 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 spin. Brian, would you look at this? Thousands of dollars of camera equipment and 
The crowd goes wild, though, seriously, it's right there. Now, here is the problem, is that anything worth doing is worth overdoing, Brian, so watch. Why wouldn't you substitute the coffee cup for three glasses of brightly colored liquids? So that's, uh, I think that's what's great to see, is you look at a kid who looks at this going, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And uh, all right, so here we go. You ready, Brian? Three cups of brightly colored liquid. You just watch the uh, people think that it's like glued to the tray. It's not. You just saw that. Okay, so now anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Look at this. A little centripetal force. Now it's centripetal, just in case you need your science lesson for the day. Not centrifugal. That's a fake force. Centripetal. But you're not going to get Faith Hill to change the song, right? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And oh, God. Well, 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 we lost one of the cups there, um, <clears throat> but that, that's not a problem at all because we're just dog sitting at this house, and so we should be out of here in no time, and, and nobody should be the wiser. So, <sighs> Brian, can I just tell you this? This is truly what kids want to see. They want to see another human being who has lost his or her mind. All right, somebody who is so passionate about whatever it is that they do that they come to class in costume, they dress up like Shakespeare, they are, they're, they're, they're a superhero, they're a science teacher spinning liquids around under the false pretense that you shouldn't have a spoon because that's what goes viral. So that in essence is my job. No matter what you wanna put behind that and the initials behind that, whatever it is you do, my job at its core is to find the most creative ways to connect, to engage, and to create experiences that change the way kids see, feel, think, and react. Done. I think the podcast is over now. So thanks everybody for joining us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you hit it all right there on the spot. I think something you just said, Steve, is, is gonna hit home, which is normally we say, don't try this at home. I mean, you shifted it to say, try it at a friend's home. But really, the experiments, the demonstrations that you showcase, either in your books or on your YouTube or on your social media, are things that you're really encouraging educators and students to try. Yeah, it's it's what make. I mean, we can talk, if you decide to go down that path sometime, I'll tell you our entire, uh, uh, I mean, I have a master's now in education, I mean, in communication. I don't, but I should after going through YouTube for X number of years. We, uh, when we joined you and we just started on YouTube, that's how the whole Mentos thing happened. YouTube was only three months old when we posted the first Mentos, Diet Coke, drop it in. I was doing it for years, nobody cared. But uh, what we learned from YouTube is all about engagement and what it means when you watch kids and, and now they don't vote with just a click or what, they vote with a thumb stop. You know, if you take a look at TikTok and Instagram, they vote with a thumb stop. So I get graded on engagement scores. I have engagement scores for metrics for how long the thumb stops, looks, and keeps going. Did I get a second and a half thumb stop? Did, if I got three seconds, I must mean that I'm amazingly engaging because there's so much stuff that that's what happens. When you're reduced to a thumb stop, then you have to rethink the science of engagement. Yeah, and I think what you're hitting there is, is that's kind of the the reality we live in today. It's, you know, thumb stop, sort of like we can change things at a click of a button. And now in our classrooms, both virtual and even in person, we somehow have to hook our learners, hook the learners to want to sit there and say, okay, how do, how do I engage in this? And so you offer professional learning, is that correct for educators? I do. Um, and, and so we do professional development. I mean, just like if you go to a doctor, the last thing you'd ever want to do is go to a doctor. Let's say you're going to get your knee replaced. 
and uh, there's no certificates or anything on the wall. And the only one was from 1952. And you look at it and you go, so you went to school in 1952? Yeah. What other classes have you taken so that you're going to replace my knee? I don't know. I'm a doctor. I, I, how hard is it? I read about it before I come in and just kind of open the book. And your knee's like pretty much everybody else's knee minus about a thousand different changes. <laughs> but it's fine. I'll get my way through. Can you imagine? But somehow in some education circles, that's okay. Somehow you might have been trained as an elementary science or an elementary teacher with emphasis in reading. And all of a sudden you're going to be a fifth grade teacher with uh, focus that year on science and you've never taken a science class. How in the world would you ever allow that to happen? So of course. And so part, I laugh, part of my job because superintendents and directors of curriculum and so forth will come to me and say, listen, you got to get these people to like this stuff. So whatever you need to do, if they come out of here having fun and, and they're infected by you, I guess I can't say that anymore post COVID or pre COVID or whatever you want to call this. Um, I can't say, you know, they need to get infected with that love of learning. And I guess that's the most exciting thing for me to cut to the chase. When you, when you have somebody for a day and teachers have been through some pretty, pretty tough professional development, I call it five points in a poem that stretches over five and a half hours. And you're just sitting there going, oh God, please not. A, and, and, and the next hundred slides in my PowerPoint, and you just see this blue glow in the room. And that's from Facebook. That's from people checking their Facebook and now they turn their volume by and it's a TikTok video that comes up or whatever. So the bottom line is when you see a teacher leave a professional development after you know a, a day long journey and in front of them has just unfolded this experience they didn't expect. They had a box of goodies and this and this and hex nuts and balloons and they were, and, and you watch them at the very end, um, experiences are transformational. Professional development can never be transactional. Education never can be transactional. If you put your kid here, then you get this. If I pay this, then you get this. That's buying a hamburger at the store, right? Um, this is a transformational experience, and the only way that you're going to do that is to pull them in, um, have them trust, to connect with you, and finally, they have to give the gift of engagement. Once they engage with you as the person providing the, what I think are some educational strategies and best practices, then they're open to receive. But they've got to give you first the gift of engagement. That, that's huge. I think you just hit a bunch of them right there, which is, you know, it's not this transaction that's occurring. You know, it's meant to be engaging both for educators who are taking professional learning, but also for students who are in a classroom with those teachers doing science, right? And at the end of the day, that's what we're hoping is that we're doing science and not just hearing about it or, or learning about it. So where can, where can teachers uh, find your professional learning? How can they access you uh, or access your workshops? Oh, that's funny. It's nice of you to ask. So, uh, and I'll give you a, a little piece about because why could I ever answer a question with a little story, right? But the short answer is you're going to go to stevespangler.com. If you go to Steve Spangler, just as it sounds, S-P-A-N-G-L-E-R.com, you'll hit our website that talks about professional development, our Spangler Academy, what we're doing for middle school teachers right now, a brand new partnership with a company called Kessler Science, who's doing some amazing things there. They're taking my 20 
25 years of phenomenon-based learning, 1,800 videos that we've produced, and now tying NGSS standards to those, and being able to really create a resource that teachers can use. You'll find all of that uh, information about our cruise to Alaska, our new trip to Iceland, our summer STEM course, courses, all that kind of stuff. You'll find that at stevespangler.com. Now, not to be confused, because if you do go to Google and you type in Steve Spangler, you better pour yourself another cup of coffee because you are going to go down a rabbit hole for about the next three hours because you're going to go, well, wait, what are these products over here? And what's this? And wait, he's in Target? No, wait, he's got a TV show? And then you start watching that. And then you start going, wait, he's on TikTok? How in the world could that nerdy guy be on TikTok? <laughs> then you go down that rabbit hole. So um, uh, my wife and I, my grandfather told me years ago, he says, he was an educator in the Denver Public Schools. He says, sometimes teachers make so much money, we get a second job. And so he owned an antique store, and uh, and so I just I knew what entrepreneurial kind of mindset was, even though I didn't know the word. Um, and so when I started teaching, that's when I started inventing some stuff that I was using in the classroom. Today we have sources like Teachers Pay Teachers and whatever. But I created product, and so over the course of 25 years, I've created about 350 products that are on the market that were on at one time or another, books and but physical products. And uh, that company, Steve Spangler Science, and the online version, stevespanglerscience.com, was acquired in 2018. So I'm exactly three years post-owning that business that, uh, that was a very, very fun business. We had almost 50 employees, and uh, it was based out of Denver, but we had factories overseas. And if you go to Target today, you'll still see Steve Spangler Science uh, as a product line that is there. And so it's thriving under a new owner. So it's like you took your baby and gave it to somebody else and said it's time for you to uh, to raise this child to the next level. And uh, so this is what I get to do. What you're seeing right here, I've been standing here in a in a pile of water. It seems like Higgins, there's water everywhere. I don't know why. I don't know why there's water everywhere. Call back to the beginning. Yeah, Brian, it was call back. It's amazing to see the transition, right? You talk about stevespanglerscience.com, um, which is where I kind of started my career is purchasing many of those tools and kits that that educators can use to help their classroom transform and now moving into this realm which is helping with workshops and and working with teachers and you mentioned your trip to alaska um, and now iceland which is absolutely amazing because for someone such as yourself who as my listeners can see and viewers can see you are engaging and you're inspiring for people to want to make science fun and and, and try to transform what learning looks like so so for teachers who are listening right now and they're still like okay this steve spangler guy he does some fun stuff he makes the floor wet because uh, he's dropping <laughs> cups um what can they expect you know during during a professional learning during a workshop are they engaged in how to you know transform their classroom environment to what you do or are they in for um just a show i guess well, it depends on who you talk to, I guess, and the mindset that they come in. But, you know, we've all been through, if you're an educator we, well, of any profession, we've all been through professional development. We used to call them teacher in-services or whatever we, we would consider along the way. Um, and, and in my mind, those were always very um, conditional how-tos. If you want to know how to do this, then here's a set of rules. I've been through science professional development actually just sitting there where we had a booklet and the... Um, instructor would say now we'll turn to page 37 and if you and the part your elbow partner 
always love that. Your seatmate um, would like to do the activity on 37 and then discuss and share some ideas. We'll be back in about 30 minutes. That's somebody who doesn't have anything to share. All right. There is somebody who's like, if you could do all this yourself and we'll come back and we'll be reflective about. So I, I didn't like that. So I think you can kind of see that I'm not into that. And I think the most transformational thing that I can do is to have somebody leave a training going, first of all, I didn't understand this is what we were going to do. Number two, you connected with me in a way that I didn't want to connect at the beginning and somehow you tricked me, right? And I'll tell you more about that. And the last thing is that we talked about why. I haven't talked about why I decided to be a teacher maybe since I made the decision to be a teacher and somebody tried to course correct me and say you should go into accounting, right? So at this very essence, of course I'm doing science, right? Of course I'm doing STEM challenges. Of course I'm talking about the 5E process and we're doing all of that. But in between all that, what really emerges, don't tell anybody if you haven't taken a workshop, what really happens is at the end you go, oh, that's why, oh, that's why I'm doing this. I had forgotten about that kid. I had forgotten about that feeling. I'd forgot to have a teacher up, uh, at the end come up and they talk to you. And it's, it's always nice if they come up to you and say, really great workshop, and then they turn and leave, you know you had zero impact on that person. So uh, you always know those and you just say, thank you very much. It's those that come up and say, you know when you talked about this, I don't believe that to be true. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, got them to think, right? And then they're like, oh, but you got me to, or somebody who comes up and it doesn't matter male or female and they stand close to the end of the line. You know those people at the end of the line. It could be an hour after the workshop. They have something to say and they just need that moment to be able to talk. And the best thing I can do is just listen, which is hard for me, uh, but to just listen and to see a, a fairly large man who has been teaching for 23, 24 years with tears in his eyes say, I don't know why and how you did this today, but I reconnected with the reason I started this so many different years ago. And I thought that I was almost done, but I am rejuvenated. I am invigorated to be able to take some of the practices that are here and take them back into the classroom. Now, as much as they say, thank you so much for doing that, as the instructor, I have to be able to go, it wasn't me. I was a little piece in the cog, but all I had to do was tee it up or maybe somebody had teed it up a long time ago and there was just something else that kind of happened. But once you hit that realization, you just have to be so happy that a teacher will be more effective in the classroom to inspire the next generation of scientists and engineers because they've gone through this kind of experience. That's what you can experience and we'll drink a lot when we're in Iceland. But other than that, it's just, uh, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> You know, and it sounds inspiring. It sounds inspiring. So for our listeners out there, so I'm assuming things have changed a little bit due to the global pandemic. Um, we'll go beforehand. So do you travel the world to do in-person workshops? And now fast forward to the global pandemic. How can people access workshops? You know, we mentioned the website, but can they book one for their own district or school board oh, yeah. uh, for you to come in and, and help them? Well, you're so nice. I, I appreciate that. No, no. Uh, the, the answer is pre-COVID, uh, I traveled probably 220 days out of the year. So lots and lots wow. and lots of on the road stuff. And that just means that you have multiple trunks of stuff that always get stopped by 
by uh, any type of security. So I can't travel with this stuff anymore. I have to FedEx it ahead of time or whatever. Because when you open up the trunk, there's the craziest assort assortment of stuff, you know? <laughs> Books that flame up and this and ringers and, and batteries and coils of wire and it kind of looks a little suspicious, right? So multiple trunks and you, you ship one here and one's coming back and this one, this one. And um, gosh, it really, I enjoyed that for 25 years and, and just appreciate the opportunity and to have earned the privilege to be kind of on that platform, so to speak, as Naomi Rohde would say, um, to be able to engage and interact with teachers. Overnight, the most disruptive thing that happened, according not to me, but to the Dean of School of Education at Harvard, was that COVID changed education forever. And I really liked how uh, the, the comment I heard on the podcast was that, you know, as much as you think that education's been innovative and, and ever-changing, he said, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, it's pretty much words on a piece of paper and here's how we teach and we might change some ways that we do that. And people go, the computer, the technology, it changed everything. And he pointed out, that's just basically a textbook on an electronic thing that kids can push a button instead of turn a page. So I know it's oversimplified, but the case in point was, at that, that second week in March, everything changed. Everything changed. Overnight, parents mm -hmm. became teachers and they lost their minds. And teachers were just so happy that parents had lost their minds <laughs> to realize this is hard, <laughs> right? And then I think teachers are sitting here going, uh, excuse me, hold, hold on just a second. Uh, I, I'm great at teaching, but they just like they were given a brand new classroom and the classroom was way different than they'd ever seen before. So guess what? As much as we kind of complain about that, teachers were ready for this. Whether they liked it or not, teachers at their core, the great ones anyway, are ready to engage, whether they are boxes on the screen or if, um, uh, you know, if they're in person. So I'm looking forward to going back in person. But what I learned standing right here for about the last now 13 months is that I can develop, I can deliver some very, very effective professional development from right here. Because look at this, I can show you, like if you want to see the book catch on fire, that's the secret. So I've got the lighter here. And I can't show that from stage. From stage, that's super far away. And I am doing big things on stage. And sometimes they're not as approachable as to be able to say, hey, you know what? If you get this right here and you just get the rope, see the rope, and then this goes here, and then this goes. I could, it's almost like you and I are having a conversation. I think that the you user can connect with me sometimes better in this environment and it's a kitchen. This is the kitchen that we actually use, the house that we use for our TV show called DIY Sci. When COVID happened, um, we stopped production and I just never left. And so I've been standing here just adding more lights, adding more cameras and everything. The neighbors are like, what goes on in this house? Because there's not a stick of furniture in here, but there's a ton of <laughs> camera equipment inside. And so um, you can do all that again by going to stevespangler.com. And so you'll see virtual offerings that are up there. So people will book, I'm doing tons of uh, virtual classroom visits, which is kind of fun. I haven't gotten to do a lot of student stuff since I was back in the classroom, you know? So classroom visits and reconnecting that way, although I work with a local school district here in Colorado to kind of keep me in practice uh, and 
and I can kind of go in three, four times a month and kick open the door and work on some material, so to speak, before I share it with teachers to see, did that work or was it effective? Um, so you can see all of our virtual offerings, everything from virtual keynotes uh, and podcasts to full day workshops that we're doing uh, to, uh, to we had a webinar yesterday uh, with a service called EdWeb. We had 3,500 early childhood teachers on that webinar talking about strategies to connect science in children's literature. So there's so many ways to connect and COVID made this acceptable. I don't think previously this was acceptable nor was the technology there, but people know this works and the smoother that technology gets, the easier it is to connect. Yeah, and I think you hit it there, which is, you know, it kind of made you rethink how you did things, but it also made it acceptable. Whereas before, maybe you would say, oh, I could do a virtual, you know, conference with you because you may be too far away, but that wouldn't have been acceptable. And they would go, why can't you No, why would we ever want that? And now it's not bad. You know, I'm talking to event organizers who are saying, so we'd love to have you come and speak. We had just slated for an hour. We'd like to have you do a half an hour because we're TED Talk style now. We need the material, we need it quickly. (laughs) But by the way, we need six more professional development modules throughout the year from you. So I want six more half hour sessions that we're gonna deliver to our organization members over the course of the next 12 months. That's really effective. That's a very, very forward thinking Mm. uh, event organizer who is looking at that. Because if all you've got to share is on stage for 20 minutes, probably need more material, right? So, but if you get enough material right. to be able to say, could I affect change over the course of a year, that seems a little bit more, um, at least approachable, and probably the success rate's gonna be a little bit higher as well when I get a chance to be able to work with a group of people for a period of time. So let's talk about material, let's dive into that, because you, you, know, you start off the show with a book on fire, <laughs> and you, then we're, you know, you're swinging your gla- cup of coffee around, so how do, you, how do you come up with your material? How do you come up with these demos, experiments, and activities to really engage the end user, which is our students and our teachers? Well, my wife would tell you that this has been an obsession since high school. It's been an obsession before we even met. I met my wife in high school in chemistry class. Get out of here. Uh, uh, I grew up in a family. Uh, My dad was an electrical engineer, a chemical engineer, um, professional magician. I didn't realize that, you know, when when you're four years old or five years old, uh, probably about four years old, and you're standing in the wings of a beautiful theater and there's an orchestra playing and you get to see your mom and dad on stage and your dad's cutting your mom into three pieces. That all comes out in counseling later on. But what you realize is your dad does something different and your mom does something different than everybody else. And so uh, I grew up in that environment. Um, We had some of the top name magicians in the 70s uh, and early 80s at our house because my dad ran a magic school on the side as well. Uh, so that's kind of a weird thing, right? Um, and you say magic school. What? Is, so I think this love of STEM, really, I mean, science, I was always fascinated by chemical magic and that kind of stuff. But, but STEM and critical thinking, uh, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity, basically, you just defined a magician, right? The thing is that I learned from doing magic was the sense of engagement. 
Because if you're a magician and you're working your way, if you're, if you're you know, you, you, everyone starts with a magic kit as a kid and then you get this and you get this and you feel pretty good about yourself and you got a car and now you're gonna go work restaurants, right? Because you can get there. So it's my job, you know, to walk into a Bennigan's and I'm the house magician. And so you, you go in these horrible, ruffly clothes or whatever. And it's like, hello, I'm Steve Spangler and I'm here. Uh, would you like to see a magic trick? And the person looks at you and is like, no, I'm eating right now. And you go, oh, I'm sorry. And then you, you go, because they don't want a magician anyway so it's my job to learn how to engage and to watch other magicians how do you do that how do you get people to lean in and go oh that's good yeah no no stick around give them and finally at the very end they're like no you can have my ring make this disappear you know and so they're completely vulnerable and so how do they do that so I learned how to use those techniques and to apply them to teaching because the best part of my uh, life kind of growing up I think really the most impressionable was watching my dad run a magic school because teaching magic, that's forbidden. You can't teach magic. But then you have people who are super engaged. They want to learn the secrets. They want to learn it. And what I didn't realize was that's what I wanted to do, but as a science teacher. So I just was able to use those techniques and apply them to education. Some people it rubs the wrong way. I'll tell you this. There are, there are, fan, there are people out there who are not Steve Spangler fans necessarily because they don't like the the polish, the presentation, the whatever. It's like, hey, he's just doing Barnum and Bailey stuff. And you go, um, could be true, could be true. But um, it seems to work. It's just human nature that seems to work. And so if I could share some engagement strategies that worked for me in the classroom, maybe they'd work for you as a teacher. And so you saw that in the products that we produce. You saw that in the videos. You see that in the TV show today. Uh, we even write, I mean, we have 1,800 YouTube videos. So if you search YouTube for Steve Spangler, you'll see all of those as an, and a learning process, an evolutionary process, being able to go, he wasn't very good, wasn't very good, still not very good, but he's gotten better, right? So he's about at this point here, but he sure has learned to engage age a lot differently, hasn't he? And um, you just see this experiment, this, this long 20-year kind of span almost, this experiment of how we did this. Did I answer that question? Because you were yeah, asking about that, products and that kind of absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, and it's such a, a great history, like a, a, a great way to show why you do what you do. Because and I, I mentioned it earlier on the show that I followed you since my, the beginning of my career. And, and I have uh, two of your books. I think they're Fire Bubbles and Naked Eggs. Mm. And I, and I remember using some of those in my class and you mentioned there, you know, some people think it's pizzazz and they think it's a show, but you use them in your classroom and I, and I've used some and I won't go through what they are, but you know, and, and the engagement of students after seeing even one or two demos, whether it be, you know, flinging a cup around your head because it's, you know, it stays there, they're hooked, right? So for everyone who's listening or watching, you know, you might think it's pizzazz, you might think it's for show. But oftentimes the students who are sitting in a classroom unsure about science, that's the hook they need, right? Yeah. They, they make that connection to saying, wait a minute, why are you swinging a cup around your head and you're okay with that? Yeah. So, you know, that's take a dive, take a dive and, and, and try something creative. I think that's awesome of you. And even to put it out there for people to use, right? Like you mentioned your YouTube videos, your TikToks and all these abilities for people to say, look at Steve Spangler doing these engaging things how do I take that now? So I think kudos to you and oh, your nice. team for putting all that together uh, and sharing that with education. 
Well, you're, you're nice, and you're the one doing the heavy lifting. So remember, I was only in the classroom for 11 years. Uh, my stuff was on a cart. I never got a classroom in 11 years. I was the Susan Lucci of elementary schools because every year the principal would go, we don't have a, a classroom for you, Steve Spangler, but you're going to put your stuff on a cart, and you're going to go from room to room to room. If you've ever been in one of my keynotes before, and we, um, we do the best day ever piece, um, in that story, that story unfolds of really what those 11 years were like and what I learned during that entire process. And you're the one that's doing the heavy lifting. You know, you're the one in the classroom. You can't do what I do and sustain this for a career because you've got to vary the learning. I'm just the spice. You know, I'm that, I'm phenomenon-based learning. Now, is that funny that we call that now phenomenon-based learning? We used to call that a demonstration, and before that, it was a discrepant event or a counterintuitive, a counterintuitive experience. You say it right. All it is is I'm just trying. In today's day and age, it's hard to get a kid's attention because they're sitting there going, "As soon as you turn your head, I got about 15 text messages, like you know, like this, and <laughs> that thumb is going, and they're they're doing it right." And so for them, again, I say it again and again, to give you the gift of their, their attention, to actually engage with you and possibly, I think we're fearful to engage because they're fearful to connect. Because sometimes if you connect, you care. It's like that teacher who comes up at the end that I told you about that's like, I didn't want to be here. I'm here for the credits. But then all of a sudden I connected and then all of a sudden, because when you connect and you engage, you create an experience and you were part of what we were doing up in New Brunswick and, and you understand what that story is all about, right? When you have an experience, well, experiences change the way you see, feel, think, and react. As I said before, they're extremely powerful. They're in our arsenal as a teacher and we just have to understand how powerful that is and what we can do. Once you have them at that point, you got to be careful what you tell kids because they'll believe it. Right? And so I think that one thing that we don't do well as a teacher is we don't have that business savvy to sell, sell, sell. And you have to now because the, the company, the company, Raytheon, uh, Lockheed Martin, uh, just, I mean, go through any of these huge, huge companies, right? Avaya, whatever, that are out there going, hey, here's another $40 million for STEM education. They'll tell you what STEM means. Don't ask another teacher. We don't know squat about what it means other than science, technology, engineering, and math, what our district says it is, what our standards say it is. It becomes so convoluted that we forget that the person who gave the money, here you go, here's $40 million. What did that person want? That person wanted you to inspire the next generation of scientists and engineers. That's what they wanted. They wanted you to get kids to sign on the dotted line. And you're going to do it, Brian, differently than I'm going to do it. But at the end of the day, if we can look into their eyes at that moment they have that spark and you see that smile on their face and you go, hey, we've got a job for you. And the kid's like, I'm 14. You go, I know. But there's a job waiting for you that will pay you better than you could ever imagine. And you have to wonder, discover, explore, ask questions, use critical thinking, learn to communicate, and work well with others. Like it? That's the job description. So if you are in a STEM-based career, they don't say, how well did you do in science and technology and engineering and whatever. They want to know those core skills that I just shared. And if we can sell that to a kid, and a kid's like, okay, I kind of like it. What do I have to keep doing? Keep taking these classes, right? Keep going down this path. Make sure you're great in English. Make sure you got a great math, critical thing. You just become a well-rounded kid, and I'll promise you, the world is yours but you just have to continue down this path and choose to engage.
wow words of wisdom words of encouragement and it's you know it's exactly that we're inspiring that next generation that we've said many times um and utilizing those tools to inspire now there's something that we haven't talked about that i'm sure many listeners are like eh, can we talk about ellen degeneres a little bit here let's your time on that show you know you you you, she dubbed you america's science teacher (laughs) and every time you go on you do these elaborate, these amazing, amazing demonstrations. How do you come up with them? You know, how do you put these things together? And I've, I've, I think I've seen them all. Like some of them are just out of this world. You know, for me to get, I, I'd say, you know, 20 film canisters with water and Alka-Seltzer to flip over at the same time is one thing. But you managed to do it with, I don't even know how many. I think it was paint cans at the time or whatever it was. So We did 3,000 of those little film canisters. And I'll t- so thank you for the acknowledgement. And just huge kudos to uh, The Ellen Show, to Ellen herself. And she's surrounded by an amazing group of people. She's created a culture of people who really care, right? And, uh, and you know, you can think of whatever you want with all the stuff in the news or whatever. I've been on the show 23 times. Uh, she was kind enough to invite me for the first time in 2007, and I've been going since. And, uh, it, it, and she really has, she's done a wonderful job of inspiring me to be creative because, you know, her producers who have now become friends, you know, would call and go, hey, what are you doing? And just for the listeners, so I was working on this. If you take an Alka-Seltzer and you put it in a film canister. Now, some people who are listening right now, Brian, are going, film what? And you go, oh yeah, (laughs) history lesson. Back when the earth was still cooling, there was this thing called a film canister and we used to put 35 millimeter film in it. And so if you put a little bit of water and an Alka-Seltzer and you cap it off, you're gonna build enough pressure to blow the lid off the Alka-Seltzer. And if you're lucky enough, you learned as a kid to turn the whole thing upside down, shoots the film canister up in the air 20, 30 feet. So it's awesome. So if one is good, 10 is awesome, right? And, and, And 50 would be just like amazing. So we figured out a way to be able to do 3,000 of those at once. And they were hooked to, imagine a blackboard that, you know, a portable blackboard. And if you spin it uh, 90 degrees, so it's a flat surface, we hooked them all on the bottom with these magnets. And so the, the, uh, the, the um, Alka-Seltzer was separated from the water. And when you flip the whole thing upside down, the water and the Alka-Seltzer touched. And at that moment in time, the reaction started. So 1,500 film canisters on hers, 15 on mine. We both flipped the boards together. It was insane. Now that only happened because the producers are like, well, what are you doing? And I go, well, I'm thinking about this. I was going to do a tray of them. And they said, how many? I said, 50, thinking they're going to go, Steve Spangler, <laughs> get here as fast as you. And they're like, yeah, could you do 100? And you go, well, yeah, Ellen will do 50 and I'll do 50. But, but like 1,000, you go, God, no. And they said, well, call us when you think you can do 1,000. It's pretty easy to call them back after you sit there and you think about it and it pushed that limit. <laughs> so I've never had anybody that would fund my creativity like the Ellen DeGeneres show. And um, the other thing you need to know about Ellen is that she sees nothing before I go on. She, that's a big show. I've never been around a rock star, somebody who is that famous. And she has the power to be able to tell her staff, don't let me see what Steve's doing. Um, she's not like, she's not friendly. She'll come over and say hi, but there's, pipe and drape around my stuff or this big elaborate thing we're going to do because she wants to be surprised just as the audience is. So when the door opens for the first time and she sees this <laughs> Dexter Kill Lab, right? And there's 500 paint cans and, all, and baking soda and vinegar and whatever else or whatever it might be. She wants to be as surprised and that energy comes through. People like the segment because Ellen likes the segment and that takes us full circle. 
kids like science because you like science. I don't care what you're teaching me, but if you're as enthusiastic as Mr. Roulette, then yeah, I'll follow that guy. That guy's awesome. So long story short, she's just been wonderful. I think we've done 80 demos uh, on the show from beginning to end. And, and so it's been fun. It's also, can I be a little catty? It's also kind of fun to see all these other science people pop up, which is great because we need them. But I would, I would challenge them to be creative as well. Uh, but it's a lot easier to copy than it is to be creative. So it's so funny, the Ellen Show people would, would send me a video going, hey, look what happened on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. And I'd look at it and they'd go, same trash can we used, same smoke machine, same lines, <laughs> same jokes, right? And you're going, well, that guy just copied everything. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We're three seasons ahead of them, right? And so you sit there and you go, oh, that's TV. And so it constantly forces you to try to come up with something new and to be as creative as you can in this little personal challenge. And, and interesting to see how somebody else interprets your demo, kind of like interpreting somebody's song. You know, it's like somebody else singing your song. But somebody doing your demo, it may not have been always yours, but that was at least my presentation that was original that nobody had seen before. And now you get to see somebody do it with the same jokes on that show. And so, I don't know, it's catty, but it's it's just one of those things that you, you think about a little bit. Yeah, and you know, it's great to hear that, you know, you mentioned being pushed in your sense of creativity and innovation by thinking outside the box and becoming even bigger, which is, Something that, you know, this whole show is about, what my creative classroom is about is is be thinking creatively, you know, thinking outside of your box and, and maybe doing something outside of the norm, whether it be ed tech, whether it be using science uh, experiments that you have to offer to help, you know, transform learning in whatever capacity you're able to do. So kudos to you again for that. And, you know, being catty is, is one thing, but, you know, realizing that it's almost an honor to say, you know what, it was that good that someone else wanted to do it exactly as I did it. Well, <laughs> that's a nice spin on it. Here's what I'm doing. Could you guys think of some new stuff because I'm running out of material. No, I'm not. I just want to copy one of your things. So I, I'd like to, to find one of your things that you're doing and maybe kind of offer my little twist on it as well and kind of do it that way. Well, here's the thing. We're all on the same page. And if we, there wasn't a sense of competition, then the student wouldn't benefit. But the end viewer, the learner, the viewer, all we are trying to do is to get anybody hooked. And if whatever it is that any of these people are doing, it doesn't matter who they are, honestly. It's just whatever we do, if they're getting hooked, I just, I, I hate to see the same demos over and over and over again. And so that's why you kind of push the limits a little bit. And there's some people out there doing some immensely creative stuff that I just, I'm blown away with. And uh, so uh, it, it's exciting to see the challenges there. Absolutely. And Steve, so we're at a part in the show that I like to call the specialist top five. Mm. And so my question to you is, what are the top five ways that you feel, you know, Steve Spangler can help teachers transform the learning, whether it be inside the classroom or in our reality now, outside the classroom? Wow. Um, well, we've talked about many of them, so as a recap, I'd love to have people jump over to stevespangler.com and so just kind of browse through what we're doing over there. If any of that stuff interests you, then it's an easy way to contact us. And so it's a, you'll see in, you know, a number of different ways to just reach out and say, hey, I've got an idea, can you help us? And so um, my agent has been with me, my manager agent, Carly Reed, has been with me for 18 years. Brian Higgins is right here, who's our uh, demo specialist and our digital content specialist, been with me for 10 years. So I've got a great uh, I'm surrounded by some really, really great people that can kind of help in so many different ways. So you can reach out that way. 
I have a new collaboration partnership with a company called Kessler Science, K-E-S-L-E-R. Chris Kessler is known uh, for some amazing things that he does in terms of uh, connecting phenomenon-based learning to NGSS and really helping middle school and now working into elementary. And so we partnered to be able to take all of my videos in that phenomenon-based learning and push that to the next level. He's pushed me to create now new content. So there is just a wealth of information and so you'll see that on our website if you go under the Spangler Academy. Love to have you come and take one of my STEM conferences. So I've got a virtual STEM workshop this summer called Science in the Rockies. You'll find information there. 2022, we're going to head back to Alaska and do Science at Sea. So this is where we take teachers on a cruise on Holland America. We're, uh, we're going to do two back to back. There's so much of an interest and the world wants to get back that we filled uh, one of the weeks. And so we've just opened up with Holland America week two. Um, we've got an exploratory trip to Iceland uh, that we're taking 50 teachers to, uh, to Iceland. So there's so many different ways. So I'd love to have you connect that way and I've already given you those five. But what about all the free stuff? I told you there's a ton of resources on YouTube. So please go check out any of the channels and you can put them in the show notes if you want to, Brian, as well. But we've got a channel called Six Science and one called The Spangler Effect and the other one called The Spangler Science TV. Um, follow us on social, so at Steve Spangler on Instagram um, or, you know, Facebook.com slash Steve Spangler on, on Facebook, of course, and then even TikTok. If you want to see a real study and engagement that is as fresh as it gets, last May we started on TikTok with zero videos, zero followers, zero likes, and a bunch of 13-year-olds going, who in the hell is this guy? And uh, we just, we crossed over 1.2 million followers, almost 300 million views in our videos, and about, I don't know, 17, 18 million likes. And I treat a like as kind of a thing like, that's just, um, that's an attaboy, you know, or that's a best day ever. That's just a kid going, dut, dut, and you get two thumb pulses. Instead of a scroll with your thumb, <laughs> you get a dut, dut, and that's a like. 17 million of those, that maybe that's good, I'm not really sure, but that's all free content. And so let me see what we can do uh, and maybe connect free um, but sure, I'd love to have you be a part of any of that. And of course, you can go to visit stevespanglerscience.com for products uh, and all the great kits and those things that are over there. That was more than five. Fantastic. You should be charging me now. Yeah, I, it's okay. We can always go above the five because I know there's so many uh, amazing things. So so before we head off, you know, we've talked a lot about, about a lot of things here on today's episode and you shared a lot. Is there anything that we may have missed that you want to add? Is there a final demo that you'd like to hit us up with? What's your, do you have anything that we want to add here, I guess? You so, that's like, that's like asking a ma uh, magician, hey, you got a pack of cards? I got to show you something along the way. Here, I got to show you. So you, uh, this is pretty fun. Here, check this out. Let me see if I've got this. And uh, for those people who are listening, I have something for you. So I wanted something that would be audible for you. So maybe this will do it. And I think I've got a, I bet you I have a penny in here somewhere. Um, yeah, oh yeah, look at this. I even got a penny. Here's the materials. I got balloons, uh, a hex nut, and a penny. And I just want to show you this thing because sometimes I think engagement happens because people in their mind go, wait, I could do that. See, when you, you're on a TV show and you get a budget, that all of a sudden means that you can blow <laughs> crap up. And, and, and you don't want to, you know, and you're thinking like, I can make the can implode. But what if I did a 55 gallon drum? Great. What if I did a tanker? Let's get a tanker. And you know, but, but guess what? The thing with a stove and the little soda can, that's where you got the most engagement because people left 
they voted with their, ah, I'm going to go some other place. And so I just say this because this is so simple. Ready? So watch this. If you look down here, I've got a clear balloon. So I'm just using a balloon that you can see inside, uh, see the, uh, the inside part of the balloon. And I'm going to put a penny in the balloon like this. Uh, you don't have to have a clear balloon, so it's probably a, a, a 9 inch or a 12 inch uh, balloon, um, a latex balloon. So the challenge is this, we started with spinning, we finished with spinning. Look at this. The challenge is this, you got to get the penny to get up on its edge, to balance on its edge, and then whirl itself around the balloon. Impossible. No, it's easy. So watch what you do. You put your hand over the balloon like this, like I'm palming a basketball. Give it a little shake, and then for those people listening, you just spin in a circular motion. Not a lot, but watch. Hup, and now you spin. Bam, it's there. <gasps> Tell me that's not cool. Look at that. That penny is in orbit. It's flying around the inside of the balloon. When it happens in a kid's hand, pretty much they'll do that for the next five hours, okay? They're going to get really, really good. And then while they're staring at it, they're like, why is it slow down? And things like friction come to mind and gravity comes to mind. And the kid goes, what about if we did two coins? What if we did three? Could we have a smash up derby inside with all the, I wonder if a loony, is that, they're called yeah. loonies, is that right? Is, you know, wonder what a loony would look like versus a penny or what are those things, which is fantastic. And you get to say centripetal force, not centrifugal, but that center-seeking force. But then you got to do the thing the parents hate, and that is you take the hex nut and you put the hex nut into the balloon instead of the penny. So now watch. Hex nut, six sides, not perfectly smooth. When it rotates inside, now it vibrates, and a vibration creates, oh yes, a sound. Listen. Isn't that great? Now, just to connect with parents, I would give the kids each one of these right before spring break when I knew they were going to go on long car trips. And I'd tell the kids, this is something fun to take in the car on your trip. Just a little, <laughs> and then you got a parent who gets, who gets the scissors and goes, stop it! And so I always tell the kids, if the balloon pops, there's always another opportunity for another balloon. But you probably did the centripetal force trick too long. <laughs> So, all right, two simple things that you can go back. You don't have to spin around the liquid. I'll clean up what's spilled around here. Light the book on fire. I, I, I can't thank you enough for, first of all, your passion for what you do, Brian, uh, your thoughtful questions, so I appreciate that, and just a chance to be able to connect. And, and whenever can you ask such a simple question and get a five-minute answer? So that's, that's really what we learned today, right? Be very careful what you ask, Steve. No, it's awesome, Steve, and I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy with everything that you're doing, so I appreciate you taking the time to join us on My Creative Classroom, sharing your insights and sharing how educators can connect with you and access your tools, whether it be through social media, whether it be through YouTube um, and, and your website, uh, stevespangler.com. So I encourage all of our listeners uh, to follow Steve on his social media at Steve Spangler. Head over to his website, stevespangler.com uh, to see what those virtual offerings are, to see every opportunity that you have to connect with Steve and to learn more about what what what, what there is to see and, and use in your classroom. As always, don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on right now. Follow us on Twitter at MyCreativePod. As always, let's make learning creative. Stay creative. My name is Brian Willette, and this was My Creative Classroom.